0: Hello, welcome to Adventures in Angular. It's been a while. This is the podcast where we keep you updated on all things Angular related. This show is produced by two companies, Top and & Devs and Onvoid. Top & Devs is where we create Top & Devs to get top-end pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoy, which offers remote design and software development services on a task basis, so clients only pay when tasks are delivered and approved. In today's episode, we will talk about reactiveness in Angular and how you can still use RxJS. So that's correct. We're not necessarily going to talk about signals today, although we might touch on the subject. But how you can simplify your reactivity while still using um, RxJS. And, well, for that, we have a very special guest. So Dean Radcliffe is a web developer of many years and the creator of RxFx, which is the library we're going to be talking uh, about throughout this episode. So we're going to get back to Dean in a second. But also joining me in today's episode is Armin Vardanian.
1: Hey, everyone. First episode this year. (laughs) I missed this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And... Well, I am Lucas Paganini, one of the other hosts in the show. So let's get started. So, Dean. Yes, sir. please pitch RxFX to the audience.
2: All right. RxFX, that's R-X-F-X, um, is framework-independent state management and effect management with concurrency control like RxJS has. And it is built on RxJS, it's interoperable with RxJS, but it brings a better developer experience and a shorter learning curve than using only RxJS. Uh, Compared to RxJS, RxFX will still concurrency control your async functions like with those concat map switch map operators, but in a way that'll be simpler, safer, and with greater readability. Okay. That's
1: really uh, yeah. interesting. And I was uh, I was actually taking a look at the repo. So at the root, I noticed that like uh in the package.json file you don't have rxjs as a dependency. So
2: uh, I do have, have rxjs as a dependency. But not in the root? Oh not in the root. The root uh, ah, okay the, the yeah. root repository yeah. is a is is a the, it's a like Lucas said uh, there's a uh constellation of libraries oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. they the primary ones are going to be rx slash bus r x effects slash effect and r x effects slash service and they each provide similar reactive and concurrency control benefits um but with a little bit of a flavor and um yeah different, uh, different mental models. So for example, the bus is an event bus. It was actually, uh, derived from, um, a simple RxJS event bus that, um, the, uh, company, um, I don't know, somebody posted, I can't remember the name or the exact company name. It was, had to do with the RxJS creators. There was a simple event bus. And then I built on that event bus, and uh, the uh, event bus brings pub sub benefits. So that's like you trigger an event somewhere and an event listener responds by running an async function, but that listener can be concurrency controlled. So imagine having your RxJS operators kind of baked into the listener. So that's the bus model. Um, It has the advantage of your, uh, your code that's triggering events, say you have a component that triggers an event when it's clicked to save something to a database. But now you want to send an analytics event that that button was clicked, right? So yeah. the publish, subscribe, PubSub metaphor says you don't have to go into that component mm-hmm. with the button and add code to it. You can listen for that click event with a bus listener And, um, and then, you know, send analytics events that way. And I've done this on an application that had many, many questions. It was a survey application. And the goal was that once we developed a question type that we wanted to keep that component closed, like closed to modification, we should be able to extend the behavior of the, uh, of the components without having to go in and modify the components. And so by having each component put an event on the event bus, it's easy to add event listeners like an analytics listener. And suppose you wanna say your analytics events should be sent uh, serially so that they don't take up more than one HTTP connection at a time. Well, then you just set the concurrency mode of that listener. Um, and that also gets you out of the, the pickle of, um, you know, if you were to modify the component and you'd have some code that says save to the database and some code that says analytics, well, is there a correct order to put those calls? And if you put the analytics call first and that analytics call errors, for some reason, is that going to keep it? Are you going to keep from needing to, you know, is, is that going to prevent the database call from functioning? So it's actually much cleaner not to keep piling things into the one component, but to set up separate listeners. And another benefit of RXFX is error handling. So if that analytics event listener acts up, it doesn't kill the save to database event listener. So you have separation through the pub sub metaphor, like even more complete separation and error handling than with uh, raw RxJS.
1: That's really, that's really interesting because uh, in RxJS error handling can be a bit of a pain point for lots of developers. Uh, Like there are all all of those tools, for example, uh, we have retry, retry when, right with the count. We have, we could just do sketch error and so on, but um, some some of those tools, uh, especially I think from the perspective of the documentation, aren't readily uh, like obvious that those can be used for error handling. And yeah, I've honestly seen lots of people who have worked with RGS for a while, but they would probably get confused by like what means retry when, mm-hmm. or something, or how to uh, what scenarios you can have with uh, you know error handling. So. Yeah, this 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 really sounds interesting. I'm I'm just taking a look at the effects library.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned pain points um, with RxJS, and um, I I was at a a conference. Which side is that on? Four years ago, called RxJS Live, and I've basically followed the RxJS core team, and I I follow uh, and listen to what people say the top pain points are with rxjs. And of course, as I hear them, I think, well, maybe I could address that in RxFX. And I believe I have. And so I'll touch on some of them. Uh Tracy Lee and Ben Lesh and Jay Phelps, the the core people that uh that give workshops on RXJS, what they're suggesting you can uh, you know, get stuck on, and which they'll help you with, but RXFX will also help you with is, okay, so subscription management. When do you subscribe? What do you do with subscription objects? Um, How do you choose an operator? And can cat map or exhaust map correct for your case? Um, And uh, error handling. So I think subscriptions, concurrency, and error handling are some of the biggest problems, uh, challenges people have with RxJS. And uh, RxFX has has solutions to uh, to all of those with a simpler uh, uh, developer um, friendly API.
1: Oh, so, uh, one thing that uh, I'm still wondering about, like I'm seeing lots of different examples uh, in, in in the repo, yeah, and uh, I see very little RxJS in actuality. So is this meant to be like a sort of total wrapper around rxjs like you don't really need to touch rxjs itself
2: um for yes but but you can grow to use all of the rxjs features it's truly interoperable but so um in the show notes i provided a link to a stack overflow post where i said um here's a situation you have a bell ringing function. It plays some audio. And so it's async because it takes some time. Now you want to create a web form with a button that rings the bell. Now, if that button is rung uh, or clicked while the bell is ringing, you would have two bells ringing at once and it might overload your audio and sound bad. So we want to concurrency control the bell, like put them in a queue, or cut off the previous bell or throttle. Like, so what, we, we want a concurrency control mechanism yep. and we also want cancellation because what if the user just wants to cancel on that bell? Simple example, there's a, there's one button to ring, one button to cancel and then concurrency control. Well, I sketched out what I thought the RxJS version of that was. And um, it was about uh, about 15 lines. There were two subjects. There were various imported operators. Take until. Yeah. There actually needs to be three subjects. Uh, take until. Um, a switch map. Yep. It, it was it was what yeah. I call operator soup. And the RX yeah. effects, given a function that returns a promise or an observable for ringing the bell, the audio, it's, you know, one line to wrap it in uh an effect with the create effect function. And it's one line to request it, which is the same for RxJS, one line to like trigger the bell ringing. But then cancellation is just dot cancel current and canceling the entire queue is dot cancel current and queued. So it's a question of when should you like deep dive into RxJS? Um, well if you want to tap something if you want to do retry when if you want to use any of the fancy operators if you want to zip two services together that's fine but as far as concurrency control and cancellation like you shouldn't need to go into that much detail or have that many imports like think about lodash how you just take your function pass it into a lodash function and get a new function out that has new behavior it should be that simple. That's the premise of RxFx. So
1: w- what's uh, really uh, got me interested uh, when I was thinking about this in the context of Angular and, and GRX, uh, could I, for example, and, and I will tell you in, in a moment why I'm asking this. Like, I have an observable that does something, something. Can I just pick it up and turn it into an effect? Like... Uh, rx effect i already have an observable that works in a certain way but i want to sort of turn it to an, an rx effect uh, effect to be able to i don't know cancel it or add something to it or pause it or whatever
2: capabilities it offers um do you have the observable as um like, do you have a function that returns an observable? Like an endpoint that returns uh, an Ajax observable? Like, I mean, a um, function that returns an Ajax observable. Yeah, what yeah, is your me, observable? Go a little uh, more detail.
1: Yeah, let me. Yeah, let me just give you the exact thing that I was uh, that I had in my mind. So, for example, in NgRx, we have the NgRx Effects package, uh, and it's fairly decent to create like effects based on actions and so on. But it doesn't have very many features. So essentially, it provides you with a function to sort of register an observable that NGRX will listen to and whatever you want it to do. And it gives you the actions observable, like whatever actions happened in your, uh, I don't know, application. And you just mix them and then you have to go and use a bunch of RHS if you want something complex. Like 90% scenarios, just like I make an HTTP request and dispatch this or that action. But uh, sometimes you need like, oh, I I want to retry this. Is this something specific happens or or, uh, maybe in some cases i want to throw away the previous request and start a new one but in right. another scenario i want to do something else and it becomes as you mentioned like an operator soup in the effect yeah. it becomes really uh, so and the funny thing is like in NGRX, when you create an effect especially like you have functional effects now you have a variable that represents this effect but you never use it it would be great if you could bring it to your component and, for example, in some scenario, a button was click and you could say, okay, cancel this effect or pause this effect or something in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking if I could take these actions observable, that, that is the thing that I need from NGRX. I need to know what actions like happen. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I don't know, plug it into this effect and maybe use it this way.
2: That's so, okay, I'm yeah. I'm I'm still a maybe, but let me uh, help uh, uh, clarify it. So there are observables that are like the sources of effects running. And is that what uh, you're there talking There is one about?
1: observable. Yeah, Angular yeah. gives you one observable It's called actions and actions. whenever an action yeah. is dispatched somewhere, this action will uh, you know send a new emission.
2: So, so actions, actions that action. sounds that sounds like a hot observable. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, it's a hot observable. So, with you generally wouldn't um, have that wrapped in um, RX effects. Uh, You would you would maybe trigger some effects based on a filtered set of actions, right? Yeah. So 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 you have observables like that that are hot, and they are like the sources of information, and then you have observables that are usually called cold. That are like yeah. doing the effect, doing the Ajax, ringing the yeah. bell. In the, the in the yeah.
1: context
2: in the context of uh, the specific what
1: what NgRx does, it gives you a, a custom operator called off type, and off-type. you can pass it actions that you want. I want this action. For example, if the load data right. action was triggered, then it, it will sort, sort of filter out and only start working, and then you give this entire thing to the create effect function that ngrx has and then it registers the effect i think it has one or two methods that you can use you can definitely it has methods using unit testing like but the object that it returns itself it doesn't have very many other like useful things so Mm -hmm. that's what got me wondering could i sort of enhance it just use the same pattern but instead just feed this effect to something from Rx effects so that I will be able to try stuff on demand or you know, sort of modify concurrency or whatever without going deep into RHS operators.
2: Yes. I mean I hope so, but uh, my big disclaimer is that I don't work in Angular much these days, though I, I have and I, I developed this library when I was uh, consulting and switching between Angular and React, and so I wanted something that was portable I could take with me. So as far as how to make this w- interact with NgRx, I have not explored that use case, um, but my my general sense of it is that you would have an effect uh, like ringing a bell. You would have your actions of type. And then you would basically uh, subscribe to those actions of type and say, when those uh, come through, ring the bell. And now you have a concurrency controlled, cancelable bell on the one hand. It's independent. And then you might use RxJS if your actions are, not RxJS, uh, NGRX. If your actions were already available through NGRX, then you could just you know send them to the, to the yeah. service or effect. So that's probably how it would work, but I haven't tried it.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Like uh, from the top of my head, what I could do is create one NGRX effect just takes all actions and sends this to like RXFX service.
2: Sounds like it. That Sounds Rx, like service, NGRX. yeah
1: service,
2: yeah, yeah. And so what would be different is like if you were doing this purely in NGRX to cancel the bell ringing, you might have another action that you would yes. dispatch to do it. But yeah. with RX effects, you wouldn't need that. You would just go to the ringing bell service or effect yeah. and just say dot cancel current. So yeah. uh, in some in some ways, it it factors some things out of the RxJs uh, ngRX land that you don't necessarily need uh, to live in that land. Um, so for example, the um the like i just said uh, cancellation you can just go directly to the ringing bell and cancel it right yeah um but another thing is the status of whether the bell is ringing or not and there's a linked code sandbox in the rx effects uh documentation that has one of these bells you can play with but you want to be able to display to the user whether the bell is ringing or not and prior to my prior to my working on rx effects and um almost and almost, every uh, app I did, I, I had a field in state called loading, right? Yeah. Or for a bell ringing. I would explicitly code that into the state model. But then I said, well, if you've got a promise that isn't resolved, if you've got a bell that's still ringing, how come we don't automatically have access to a field like, how do I have to build that into the state model of, of my app? Because the problem yeah. with that is, you know, you have all these examples that say, all right, well, you're going to have an Angular component that uh, has a button. And then you're going to use the HTTP client to, you know, fetch some stuff. So the first thing you do is you're going to, you know, set is loading to true. Then you're going to do the effect. Then when it's done, you're going to set is loading to false. And that manual tracking of the loading state is bundled into RxFX. You can track the loading state. So I also have an example of a counter that's asynchronous. It takes two seconds to increment the counter. And the state model only contains the count, but RxFX keeps track of whether it's executing or not.
1: Yeah, that's what I was... uh, And of course, we will now inevitably... Stumble into the signals topic because <laughs> I was just yeah because uh, you know signals got now very deep integration despite yep. them being not being like even one year old but we have now NgRx signals yep. so you can build your yeah like state management without uh, like without the Redux pattern just with signals without right. observables mm-hmm. uh, and I was thinking like the the, the weak point for me in ngrx signal is probably the effects because effects are essentially the same that we have in ngrx effect just baked into you know the signal blend yeah Uh, and yeah that got me thinking especially with the loading example because there you will have to do like even more work because you are inside a signal state and like you start uh, an HTTP call, for instance. You have to go like patch state loading true, something like yeah, that, yeah. and then you will have to. You will always have to add this line of code and the other line that says something like finalize page state loading false. And uh, it's it's not a, it's not a pattern that uh, I personally like, and 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 you can't sort of make a generic function that does that because the loading state can be different depending on whatever you are trying to, yeah, accomplish. Unless it to some magic strings or something, but that's not a a good solution to that. But I mean,
2: we've had had, uh, promises since uh, 2015 and nine years later, like how come we don't have like an abstraction that just automatically knows? Like how come we're still writing manual loading states? Like why don't we have an abstraction that knows whether it's executing or not and is cancelable? If, uh, if the endpoint, of course, yeah. returns an observable because promises are not so simple to cancel as observables. And that's one of the greatest things about observables. And I'm, 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 I'm super yeah. geeked on observables. They're coming into the language, uh, into the, the, the yeah. browsers are starting to integrate it. Um, slightly different API than RxJS observables. I'm still learning about like, how am I going to have to adjust my code when, when those uh, come into play? But, um, but it's, it's, I mean, RxJS is a tremendous library. Um, if I could give your listeners a, a little, uh, history, uh, lesson of async, I, I did a little research, um, to find out like how RxJS and promises, uh, evolved and, uh, and, uh, could I, I could do that now or later. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, we
1: sort of can... Yeah, but it's interesting. I, I've never thought about it this way because I've never really worked with Promises. No, no, I have worked with Promises. Oh, really? Like, since, I was, since I started doing... Well, when I worked with Promises when I was doing AngularJS. We didn't yeah. have, like... We didn't know much about RxJS back then. Then Angular 2 dropped in yep. 2016. And, uh, yeah, since then, I, I've not really touched Promises that much. Okay. Unless I was, I don't know teaching someone about them or stuff i wasn't really using them in the code but it never like i I just thought you know promises are sort of weak and observables are very powerful and i can do http calls with observables Then yeah i don't care about promises
2: no i mean that's that's uh, actually very true and i don't think it's judgmental or critical at all uh promises you could say are a subset of observables
1: definitely but. right
2: and so you can build a promise with uh an observable but the the reverse is not true and yeah. um so yeah so let, let me talk about uh mental models because my mental model has been evolving a lot over time and i think i can clarify for the listeners a lot of things that you hear about what observables are because that's even kind of you know confusing um So observables have been described any number of ways. They've been described as lazy. They've been called just functions. And observables are just a function, which is the hardest explanation I I have to grasp. Um, They've been described as streams of values, or they've been described as promises with more than one value. So a lot of those are confused. Oh, they've also been described as push collections. Um, Uh, they've been described as, is it unicast or multicast? Well, it's unicast, but how do I I tell? It's very hard to piece together like what the heck is an observable with all of these explanations. So I have what I think is going to be the final explanation of observable that, that people will need to hear. And here's this, observables are a template for a running process they are like the string ls-l, okay? So they're like the string ls-l because the string ls-l is not executing. It's just a template from which you can create a process that lists the files in a directory, right? So observables aren't really lazy any more than a template is lazy because when you click on the template to create a new document, it creates a new document. When you have a string, a command string to run a process, it runs a new process. So yes, you can call them lazy because they don't give you values till you subscribe, but that's exactly like the way that a Unix command line string doesn't give you lines of output until you execute it and hit enter. Um, uh, So you will get, what can a Unix process do? And this is what's so strong about observables. They can do everything that a Unix process can do. They can have an exit code of true or false. I mean, basically they can complete or error like an observable. And they can produce one or more values. They can also produce zero values, which is why the description of an observable as a stream of values, it misses the mark. An observable uh, is a template For a running process. A running process, which is a subscription, consumes some resources. So the main thing about an observable is that it explains how to consume and release some resources, just like a command line string tells you how to consume some resources and then it has a standard way of canceling it. So it's perfectly valid to have a a Unix command line like rm rf node modules, which doesn't produce a bunch of values. And it's perfectly valid to have an observable that isn't about values. It's about getting some work done.
1: Um, that's a, that's an interesting way of uh, looking at it. Actually, I've never thought of that uh, sort of comparison. And it makes sense, especially that we have like the... You in in like you you have the pipe operator. Right, you can pipe commands, pipe results from one and then yeah, yeah, RGS. Yeah, we sort of have the same thing. We can take you can, one observable, pipe result to yeah. another. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really interesting way of looking at it.
2: Yeah, it's it's just so it's just such a perfect match. It's a template. It's a you know command line string that's like a perfect match for me. Um, and so what I found is um that The best use of an observable, which is, of course, a description of some work that can be done, a template for doing work, the best use of an observable, and pretty much the only thing you need to to do in RxFX, is use an observable as a return value. So that's kind of talking about cold observables, um, but it it could also be a hot. I I don't really find there's much distinction between hot and cold. There's still a allocation of a resource that you can release either way um, and they may produce values or they may not. but so an observable is a great return value and in Rx effects when you return an observable from a function into an effect or a bus listener or a service, you don't have to call dot subscribe on it right and, and, the, and it works because if you're ringing a bell and you have an observable for ringing a bell, When the bell is rung, you return the observable for ringing the bell. Well, RxFX knows that if you return an observable, of course, I have to subscribe to it if the concurrency model says subscribe right now, because there are concurrency models that don't say subscribe right away. For example, a blocking concurrency model, also known as exhaust map. So uh, observables make a lot of sense as a return value, and I've written uh, very large and very async applications with Rx effects using observables, and I never call dot subscribe, just return an observable so for example, my my flagship app uh, with, for personal use that I can share around is called uh, inbox radio and it lets me stream music that has been sent to me in my Gmail inbox. And so there's a lot of async going on there. You have to get messages that match a pattern, and you have to get the attachments and you don't want to download them in parallel. You want to download them serially because you're going to play them serially. And then you have to decode the stuff, then you have to play it. And so uh, these these chains of things are not explicitly chained. The bus the bus, the event bus is sitting there, you know making uh, one of them subscribe to another. And basically, this whole thing uh, doesn't have, uh, can hat map explicitly written in it. Um, it has create queuing service. And it doesn't have dot subscribe because you return an observable and RxFX call subscribe on it. So that kind of takes care of where do you put your subscription objects? Well, you don't generally need to see the subscription objects uh, in, in this. Um, the exception to that would be if you had um, an observable of button clicks, for example, and you needed to like call an effect on every uh, button click from that observable, um, then you would subscribe to that outer observable and say, okay, each time a, a, a notification on the observable comes in, then call this effect. So that's where you would, uh, if you had like a native RxJS observable, you could totally call .subscribe on it and do whatever you want. But um, if you were returning it as the return value from an effect or a bus listener, uh, you wouldn't need to tag .subscribe on the end of it.
1: That's fascinating, actually, as you mentioned, um, exhaust map and stuff. So it's nice to hear that, uh, those sorts of things are taken care about because, for the life of me, I couldn't explain the difference between exhaust map and concat map. I've looked it out like a bunch of times. I can easily explain the difference between merge map and switch map. Okay,
2: okay so here's uh, a here's yeah. <laughs> so here's a here's a gift. This is for everybody. It's a free uh, way to keep all these things straight. Can you can you scroll down uh, in the RX Effects repo? Yep. In so the, you see the next one? Yeah, it was not the service one. E- I think yeah. either one of them. So do you see some cards um, that yeah, have yeah. pictures on yeah. them?
0: Oh, Dean, by the way, yeah. uh, if you're comfortable with that, we could even share your screen. Some people can be watching from YouTube, so they could be oh. seeing the live stream. Well,
2: I would, I would happily do that. Um, sure, let's do that. Okay, I think you're seeing a GitHub repo? Yeah. Okay, so this is the RxFx main repo. And if you scroll down, there's some code examples. And then there's a list of the libraries. Yeah, in the FX one, there's the fascinating set of cards. Yes. And so here is the the set of cards that you can use. I have not printed them myself yet um, on like, true quality card stock but if people are interested in that i would i would do that i would love to have these at my desk well when we collaborated with desks next to desks and other people um, but yeah so this gives friendly names to each of the each of the modes it has pictures and then in the uh, little um, in this window it says also known as merge map also yeah. known as yeah. concat map so you know my bias is to kind of tuck Rxjs into something as a bunch of implementation details. I'm not trying to teach people how to you know um, necessarily uh, use RXJS better if they can get the, the first 90% of use cases um, under friendlier names and in a friendlier library, then that's kind of what what I'm advocating for. Um, I've gotten several teams that I'm on to adopt this. Uh, early in the uh, development life cycle. And then when people can the, use uh, one of these, they they use that. And then if it comes up against something that doesn't uh, fit into that paradigm, well then, you know, hey, this this lets you use any amount of RxJS uh, on top of it. But yeah, I would say that this is uh, mnemonic and friendly for, for people to uh, remember the modes and just have good pictures of it. Because these modes, this is what's amazing about what they came up with RX, when they came up with RxJS. And I'm going to go rewind a little bit in history. Um, I'll stop sharing though. Um, so in 2004, Gmail came out and, and Ajax started to get used like in seriousness. And as Ajax was getting used between 2004 and 2011, callback help was like really forming. And, you know, when you attach an event listener to something, if that event listener starts some async process, and then that event comes in again, you know, you don't have concurrency control. So seven years after like Ajax appeared, Microsoft Labs, our research and development went down and said, we got to solve this async problem, and we got to solve it for good, and it was, hit all of the use cases. And this is four years before promises. and. They came up with the reactive x um you know project which you know became rxjs and all the implementations in all the languages so they had you know phd computer science people and everything really looking at this async problem and saying like what are all the tools we need to solve every use case in async and they built it but by 2005 by 2012 uh the a plus team was working on promises and promises were gaining traction uh, i think partly they were beating winning the race because the documentation for rxjs was just really problematic um they you know like the documentation for uh um gosh for uh, merge map it, it, it's it's obtuse it's projects inner observables into the output observable, and it's just, not, it's just not descriptive enough. So promises from 2011 to 2015 were gaining mindshare, and they were an improvement over just regular functions, but they didn't get all the way to RxJS. And then promises were adopted, but promises can't control concurrency in all the ways that RxJS can. And so those concurrency operators that are so hard to remember, but described in those cards that I showed, those things are amazing because they solve for all async combinations. And I can, I can, I can describe this in real life too. It isn't just RxJS. They didn't just solve like for web development. It's like extrapolatable. It, it, it can be extrapolated to real life. So I gave the analogy on the React show. Suppose I am making a sandwich for my daughter. She wants a grilled cheese sandwich. I'm on the stove. I'm busy. I've been requested to make a sandwich. I'm busy making the sandwich. And she says, dad, I want chicken nuggets instead. Well, these five concurrency modes, well, four of them are in RxJS. I added the fifth one. Um, These five concurrency modes describe what I can respond with, right? I can merge map. So in other words, I can just start a new pan cooking the chicken nuggets next to the grilled cheese. I can say, um, okay, Sierra, but only after I make the grilled cheese, I'll get started on the chicken nuggets. That's concat now. I can say, oh, you want chicken nuggets? Well, I better stop making the grilled cheese. I'll make you chicken nuggets instead. And um, I can also say, no, Sierra, I'm already making your grilled cheese. Uh, I'm not going to start chicken nuggets. So that, that happens to be exhaust map. Um, finally, the the final one, which I just came up with by looking at what are all the possibilities. The final one is I'm making the grilled cheese. Sierra says, can I have chicken nuggets? I just turn off the stove for the grilled cheese. And I say, I can't deal with all these requests. Just make your own lunch so I can walk away from that. These are universal, Right. And so it's really cool that RxJS has uh, all of the universal possibilities embedded in it. It's not cool that everyone isn't using it. And I think the reason is because the documentation isn't friendly enough. And so uh, instead of trying to improve the documentation uh, and doing you know that kind of long but noble process of trying to contribute back to an open source repository you use but i just think well it's it's time for a higher level of abstraction and i don't think i'm on the wrong track because like i ask for comparisons i say how would you do this the rxjs way and it's 15 to 20 confusing lines with you know seven levels of nesting versus you know one or two levels of nesting and like five lines so i want to stick with <laughs> this approach of creating a wrapper library. And hopefully, you know, hey, if any of this ends up back in RxJS, if it ends up in React, you know, I don't care. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody has to use this exactly this way. But I am saying I think there is an abstraction just waiting to be, uh, you know, birthed into the community.
1: This truly has been an evening of interesting analogies. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for explaining me the difference between exhaust map and <laughs> <By> the way. <laughs> I find the uh, <laughs> I find the library really fascinating and um a bit surprised I haven't heard about it before. I will I will research it. Please let me know if it's okay if I ping you with questions from time to time.
2: Yeah, you know, the best place to engage with me right now is uh is through the GitHub repo. Um, yep stars are welcome discussions and issues also. And uh, you know, that's, that's where we can talk about the repo. If we want to talk a little more generally about stuff um, I'm on Twitter at at slash X at Dean dev dad, and that'll go in the show notes. And yeah, I mean, I, I would love to, to engage on this more. Like I said, I have my workplace uh, where I've, Gotten now three teams, uh, you know, using this as you know a starting point, and uh, so that's probably where you know more of my time gets spent in the workplace than uh, marketing it. But since I've reconnected with this awesome top end devs team uh, and and all the shows that they run, I was like, well, sure, I'd, I'd love to to talk
0: about it more widely.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, and. For anyone who's listening to this and wants to try out RxFX in other frameworks, we do have an entire episode about how this can be used in React. So if you're interested, you can check out the latest episode we did on React Roundup, where we also talked to Dean about how we can use RxFX to simplify some of the issues that React developers generally run into. So yeah, yeah Dean, this, uh, again... This has been great, again, because the the React episode was also awesome. I really love the the analogies to to your daughter. (laughs) And it just, it makes it so much easier to remember what exhaust map means because now I can just remember being exhausted. Like, I'm... yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so... Thanks. Thanks again, man. I hope you come back even even more times whenever possible. So let's do a quick round of promos before wrapping things up. So Dean, you were mentioning your Twitter, the GitHub repository for the project. Is there anything else you would like to promote? Just that. Just that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, just reiterating anyone who's listening to this, if you can't stop what you're doing for just 10 seconds and go into the GitHub repository and give it a star that could create a chain reaction that is going to lead to eventually us having better names to our RxJS operators. So please do that for the entire community and future generations. Well,
2: I should mention there is a thread, uh, a discussion in the RxJS repo that opened up recently where they're seeking to... Uh, do some renaming in RxJS 8. So um, you can find right. that on Ben Lesch's profile on Twitter. And so if you have opinions about it, like I do, you can you can contribute in their discussion directly. I'm sure they'd appreciate the community input.
0: Awesome. Armin, I'm going to give this to you in a second. I know that you have a special announcement, so I'm going to leave you to the end. Mine is just going to be uh, the the regular episode intro. So if you're interested in um, outsourcing your software or design teams or, or even better extending your design and software development teams, you should definitely check out envoy.com. It's unvoid.com. And yeah, that's basically going to be my promo. So Armin, please take away. I know you have a huge announcement. <laughs> well, it's not
1: that huge. The huge announcement like a month ago uh, as I have mentioned on the previous episodes and also on Twitter and LinkedIn and all the other places I visit, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I wrote a book on Angular. Uh, it's called Modern Angular. Uh, it's with the Manning Publications. Uh, it's in early access now. Uh, so out of the 10 uh, total chapters, we have now five out. I think two other chapters will drop like in a week or two, I guess. Uh, But the entire manuscript is finished, so no worries if you think I'm not going to finish it. I have finished it. I'm just doing some polishing and listening to early access readers' comments. Uh, And by the way, the fifth chapter, the last one that is right now available, is about RHGS. So yeah, uh, if if this episode got you interested, maybe you can also take a look at that chapter. The book discusses uh, all the new features that we have. Uh, By the way, the 6th and 7th chapter that will drop soon are all about signals, which is the, I guess, hottest topic right now. And for this uh, episode, I actually got a special promo code from Manning Publications. So you can use the promo code PODANGULAR24. Let's also put that in the description uh to get forty-five percent off any Manning product. I hope you spent it on my book, but <laughs> yeah, so and also yeah, thanks to Manning Publication for for giving me that promo code specifically for our episode. So if anyone of the listeners is interesting, take a look at the description. I will uh, let's also put the link to the book there. So, yeah, that's it. That's my promotion. <laughs> Got to be the same for a while.
0: Yeah. Um, Armin, can can you send it on the internal chat so that I can put it in the yep. comment section for anyone watching the live stream? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 40, 45% discount. Is that what you said?
1: Yep. On that's, any product.
0: Yeah, that's a huge, huge discount. So Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, man. And I think the fact that you have two chapters about signals in Angular is really interesting because it's uncharted territory, right? Like in terms of conventions and things like that. So I think this is the kind of thing that is relevant, even for those that are already experienced. Like you might be thinking, I don't need Armin's book. Like I'm already experienced in Angular. There's no need for that. Uh, and even Signals, yeah, like I'm comfortable with Signals. I know that they were released with whatever, but I'm pretty sure there's something that you can learn from those two chapters specific to Signals. So I would still highly recommend buying Armin's book, even if you feel extremely comfortable with Angular already. So yeah, coupon is in the show notes. Again, it's pod, P-O-D, Angular 24, all together, no spaces, no dashes. All
1: right. Thanks, thanks man for having uh cool book.
2: For that. <laughs> cool book. Just checked it out. Thank you.
0: All right. So guys, thank you so much. Uh, I also putting the link to Armin's book in the comment section. So you have the coupon and the book linked there. No reason to not not buy it. Uh, but yeah, again, guys, thank you so much. Dean, thanks for being on the show for not just all the the time that you spent um, in here, but also the effort to build this amazing library that is available for everyone in, in open source. So that's really that's really a major effort. Thank you for that. And sure. yeah, well, at least that's it for me.
1: Yeah, thanks everyone. See you in the next one. <laughs> See
0: you in the next See ya. one.